You're listening to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Podcast, where every run is a trail party. I'm your host, Kim Levinsky, and today's episode is the recording from our Facebook Live interview series on Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. We sat down with ultra runner Annie Hughes to hear all about her incredible career as a professional ultra runner and how she got to where she is today. So sit back and relax or go out and hit the trails and enjoy the show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sasquatch Trail Runners Run Venture Facebook Live Series. My name is Kim Levinsky. I'm the owner and race director for Sasquatch Trail Runners. For those of you who aren't familiar with us, we host trail parties or trail races in New York and New Jersey. So we have about one race every month throughout the year. Uh, and our, our go-to line is that all ages, paces, and peoples are always welcome at our events. So tonight we're going to be talking, oh wait, not tonight, this afternoon. I'm so used to these being in the evening. This afternoon we're going to be talking all things trail and ultra with the wonderful outdoorable Annie Hughes out in Colorado. Uh, but before we jump into the interview, I'm going to share a few updates on what's happening in the wonderful world of Sasquatch trail running. So first of all, thank you to everybody who came out to the Frosty Fat Sass trail race that happened a week ago. I want to say a personal thank you to our volunteer dream team, specifically to Michelle Rice, Joe Brandine, Jana Shurnetz, and Becca Constant um, for running the race while I was with my family. Thank you to everybody who's reached out to me over the last few weeks, um, my parents are both recovering from COVID and they're getting better every day. So I really appreciate uh, the support from you guys. Our trail running community is amazing. It's amazing here in New Jersey, New York. Um, and I've just experienced that both as a runner and race director. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much um, for making that event just go so smoothly. It was awesome. Um, Okay, looking ahead to 2022, February 12th, that's coming up in a week or two, we're headed to the Ramapo Valley County Reservation in Mawa, New Jersey for our annual Onesie Fest 5K Marathon. That's right, get your onesie out. It is as ridiculous as it sounds. Everybody runs the 5K in a onesie. And I've already gotten a few emails. We get it every year, of like, do I have to wear a onesie? I'm uncomfortable. It's okay. It's not required. We're not going to turn you away. Uh, but onesies are encouraged. It's really fun. It's fun to get dressed up. So I hope you join us for that. Um, and then uh, exactly a month after that, on March 12th, we're going back to Rampo for the single squatch. We have a five and a half miler and 11 miler trail race going on there. And both of those events, we're supporting our friends at the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference. And those are the people that maintain, build and protect the trails throughout New York and New Jersey. We've been supporting them since 2018. So we love giving back to them. Uh, in April, April 9th, we're going to the South Mountain Reservation, West Orange, New Jersey for our second annual Squatch Apple Trail Race. You can sign up to run a 50 miler, 33 miler, 20 miler or 11 miler. And that is on Ultra Sign Up. All of our races are on ultrasignup.com. And then last one I want to mention, May 7th, that registration was set to open for Bear Mountain Race. Um, I'm just waiting. I, I, I want to have that paper permit in hand before we open up registration. All the verbals say we're, we're doing it and we're good to go. But um, me and Don Weiss, co-race director, we want to have that permit before we open up registration. So May 7th, we're scheduled to be in Bear Mountain, New York for the first annual Big Bear Squatch North the marathon and half marathon, super gnarly, technical, single track, lots of elevation, very fun. If you haven't been to uh, Harriman State Park, this is a really good opportunity to check it out. Those trails are amazing. Great vistas, lots of climbing, awesome views. So you don't want to miss that. That that race will sell out quickly. So when we open it up, I'd encourage you to get on it. 
Um, and that's about it for 2022. Um, you can check out the rest of our races on our website, which is sasquatchtrailrunning.com. We've got a race every month. So June, July, August, the whole nine yards. Check it out on sasquatchtrailrunning.com. So, okay, the reason you're all here is Annie Hughes. So um, I'm gonna give a little short intro for her and then we're gonna jump into the interview here. So first of all, thank you to Matt Klein for making the connection uh, for me and Annie. So Maddie is a Sasquad regular. He's been around for a number of years with Sasquad since we started. He recently completed the triple crown of 200s this past year. So if you're not familiar of that level of crazy, it's um, uh, the Bigfoot 200, and then Tahoe 200, and then the Moab 240, which all takes place within basically three months of each other. There's only a few weeks that separate each of those events. Um, so he completed that. Unfortunately, Tahoe 200 was canceled. I was signed up to run that as well, but it was canceled a couple weeks before because of the wildfires. So he had to, in order to complete the Triple Crown, he had to make up his own 200 had to fit a couple of parameters um, in order to get that in. So him and his crew traveled out to Leadville, uh, Colorado to complete that in September. And that's where they met Annie. That's where they met Annie Hughes. And so he made the connection with us and she has graciously uh, come on to our podcast, Facebook Live. So um, to set the stage a little more, I'm going to read this really great article I found online. It was posted by um, the American Trail Runner Association, which we are a member of them here at Sasquad. Um, so this is a really great, this is kind of like the overview of who Annie Hughes is, and then we're gonna dive deeper into um, the ins and outs. So here is this uh, really great article that was recently published. If you find yourself interested in the future of ultra distance trail running, you should get to know the name Annie Hughes. At only 23 years old, Hughes is establishing herself as one of the best long distance trail runners in the country. And she is only getting faster. This past summer, she won the Collegiate Peaks 50 mile race and became the youngest woman ever to win the Leadville Trail 100, one of the country's most historic ultra marathon races. In January of 2021, she made it a goal of her Sunday long run to run every single street in her hometown of Leadville, Colorado, the highest city in the country, with an average January high of 31 degrees. She ran every street covering 51 miles in the snowy streets of Leadville in just under eight hours and still had time to enjoy herself to take photos along the way. Another incredible challenge was inspired by the view of her house from Colorado's two highest peaks. In November of 2020, she ran from her house to the top of both peaks, covering 50 miles and climbing. 10,568 feet. And Annie has recently uh, won some other really amazing, awesome races, including one of those 200. So um, I'm not going to read off any more stats because I'm sure we can chat a little bit more about it. But Annie, thank you so much for coming on to our Sasquad podcast here. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I did want to mention that your Instagram is very, very fun. I was watching some of your <laughs> stories the other day at the, <laughs> the dance party in your kitchen, it looked like something going on. <laughs> yeah, my roommate and I, um, yeah, we're really goofy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like some good cross training that was happening. Yeah, it's good cross training. <laughs> uh, amazing, amazing. Um, okay, so why don't we start where we always do with all of our guests that come on is kind of just asking you, what's your running story? I read um, such a fun article. I think it maybe it was on Hoka's website. I can't remember. I read a bunch of them in the last few weeks, but um, 
Hoka really, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Hoka. They gave the whole background of your story with collegiate athletics and then kind of making your own way, going your own path. But, um, and you can make this as long or as short as you want, but we can springboard off of this. But Annie, why don't you share your running story with us? <laughs> yeah, so um, I started running competitively in sixth grade um, and I started running track in uh, cross country, but I was always like really unathletic in terms of other sports and anything that involved a ball. And so um, in fifth grade, uh, we had to run the mile fitness test in gym class. And I was always like the worst at any game we would play. <laughs> um, and I was, I was a total girly girl and wore dresses to school and like bows in my hair. Um, and uh, we had to run this mile fitness test and I ended up beating everyone in my class, including all like the most athletic boys in the class. And everyone was just so shocked because I was <laughs> awful. Um, and yeah, always wearing pink and bows and stuff. So um, that was a kind of a cool moment for me. So I was like, well, I'm actually like good at something athletic. And um, I didn't really think, think too much about it. And then the next year I won it again. And my dad um, was like, oh, you should uh, run track and cross country and it's like oh I'm not competitive and I get side aches sometimes when I run. <laughs> um, but he ended up signing me up and just said go to three practices and if you don't like it you don't have to keep doing it um, and I went and really enjoyed the practice and um, did a couple meets and I remember I get so nervous for meets in middle school like I would take it really seriously um, <laughs> which is funny to look back on because it's like middle school. It doesn't really <laughs> matter too much, but I would take it really seriously. Um, and then in high school, um, I ran, so I actually grew up in Wisconsin. That's where I'm from. And I went to this really big high school. Um, there were a hundred girls in my cross country um, and track team. Um, and then a hundred boys in the boys team. So it was huge. And then, um, and just a really competitive school. Like we, one state for cross country in my freshman year, which it was really cool to be a part of that. And um, then I moved for my senior year from uh, Wisconsin to Buena Vista, Colorado, which is just 45 minutes from Leadville. Um, it's another small mountain town. And my parents wanted to retire there. And um, I really wanted to go to college in Colorado. Like I just was fascinated with the mountains and I just kind of heard like Colorado is the place to be if you're a runner, you know? <laughs> um, and so um, definitely wanted to be out here at um, some point. And then when my parents wanted to retire here, I was like, oh, we moved for my senior year. I could earn in-state tuition. Um, and also like the schools in Colorado would probably, I'd probably get a little more visibility <laughs> um, yes. in terms of like getting on their team and stuff. So I was really interested in CU Boulder actually. Um, and so, which is really expensive. <laughs> so I wouldn't have been able to afford it if I came from Wisconsin and um, all of that. So yeah, we moved out here to a really small town. My cross country team was like <laughs> maybe 20 people, not even. <laughs> um, so it was a pretty big change, but I just really loved it. Loved the family feel and um, was still really set in CU Boulder, but um, I was probably gonna be like a walk-on on their cross country team. And um, the coach at Adams State University in Alamosa um, got in touch with me and um, they're a D2 school, but they have a really great um, 
program and tradition. Um, I think they've won like almost 60 national titles now. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was um, interested in that school as well. And so I went and visited and they offered me a scholarship. So I was like, well, I could pay all this money and go to see you and walk on their team or I could um, be a part of a smaller program that still um, has a great tradition and um, and the, the uh, scholastics were a little bit easier as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I ended up going to Adams State for uh, two years and I was on the team for a year and a half. And um, the program is awesome. It's really intense and um, competitive and um, that the girls were also really nice and it was like a good kind of family feel, but um, I don't know. I just, I got really burned out of um, just being in that really competitive atmosphere and um, just kind of doing the same training every single day in the same place, yeah. <laughs> running the same roads every day. And um, I became really interested in the mountains uh, that year and um, kind of set a goal to climb up the 14,000 foot peaks in Colorado. There's 58 of them. They're like all around the state. And um, I was just hiking them. I didn't know anything about trail running or anything then. Um, but I became like really interested in that goal and it didn't really pair well with my cross country training. <laughs> They're very strict about like, you have to stay in Alamosa and you have to do these workouts and hit these times. And, um, I was really into it my freshman year, I, like took it very seriously. And, um, yeah, I was really intense about it, but, <laughs> um, the second year I just, when I kind of discovered the mountains, I, um, it was really hard for me to come back after that summer and be on the team. Um, and so I finished out the cross country season because I didn't want to like quit halfway through or anything, but I definitely, it was kind of a supper fest, like just trying to get through it. Um, and yeah, so I quit the team after that, uh, cross country season and was really burned out and running and didn't think I'd ever run a race again. I was just like, I just want to hike in the mountains and <laughs> I wanted to get into trail running a little bit and run ultras, but. I didn't think I'd be competitive with it or anything. Um, and I had a couple of friends encouraging me to do this race in Moab. It's called the Red Hot 55K. Uh, and that was the furthest I'd ever run. I, I've actually, I still have never run a marathon. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's I just amazing. Straight, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I just went straight from running like 5Ks in cross country and, um, and track to like, a 55k it's amazing, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but I had so much fun it was just a really fun chill atmosphere and it wasn't like the intense um vibes you get from a cross-country track race mm. and I just really loved that and um I wasn't really taking myself too seriously or anything <laughs> and just really enjoyed the race and I'd never been to Moab so that was a really cool experience to explore a little bit of that area and um then I heard about the Moab 240 um a little bit before that so when I was running that race I was kind of picturing like wow what would it be like to run the Moab 240 like yes. <laughs> um and yeah but I didn't think I would do it for like many many years <laughs> um and but it kind of sparked an interest in that race and um then I ran a 50 miler shortly after that. I think it was, I ran that race in the 55K in 
February and I quit the team in October and then I ran my first 50 miler in May. Um, and that was a really hilly course. And uh, now I like definitely do my research on the course and everything, but uh, I didn't, I just signed up and was like, oh, it'll be marked and I'm sure it won't be too hilly. Like I'll just <laughs> see how it goes. And uh, it ended up being like 10,000 feet of climbing. And I didn't look at the course map or anything before. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> <I'm so lucky. laughs> Um, but it was like the hardest thing I'd ever done and I ended up winning it. Um, and so that's what kind of made me think, oh, maybe I'm better at like the longer distances. And I moved to Leadville in June, um, because, uh, Colorado Mountain College is here. It's like this tiny little college. And I was thinking I could just finish my degree there. And I wanted to stay in like a small mountain town. I just really love the atmosphere here and I'm not a big city person, <laughs> So Leadville seemed like a good fit because um, I could go to school there and um, I just figured it would be a good place to get into um, ultra running since the Leadville 100 is here. I just kind of figured there might be kind of a mecca of, or like a good community of people to run with. So um, that's why I kind of decided to move here and it's not too far from my family. They're only 45 minutes away. So, but I still have some distance. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I ended up here. and. Um, I ran the Silver Rush 50, which was in July, um, and uh, took third in that. So that's what got me into the 100. So I was all set to run the 100 in 2020. It was going to be my first 100 miler, um, which I was really excited for. And that ended up getting canceled. So um, I ended up running a different 100 miler. Um, it's called the Bryce Canyon 100. And it's right outside of Bryce Canyon National Park. And it was gorgeous and I actually signed up for it a month before because a friend texted me and was like I'm doing this race and they're I guess they're still able to put it on because you know every race is getting canceled mm -hmm. at that time and um, I was like okay I guess I'll try it <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I didn't like put too much specific training <laughs> into that race but um yeah and I ended up taking a wrong turn and ran 10 extra miles yes um, <laughs> <laughs> um and then I also so at the aid stations they all the food was like packaged and they were really encouraging the runners to bring your own food um because it was like during COVID and everything and uh they just weren't going to have that many options um you know they usually have like the big M&M bowl you can just like reach your hand in <laughs> like they weren't oh, yeah. going to have any Very of that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and so I thought it would be a good idea to put mashed potatoes in little Tupperware containers and leave them in my drop bags. Um, Cause that was something I tried in training and it, like it sat well and I figured that would be a good thing to eat in a hundred miler. <laughs> I didn't know that was my first one, but um, I thought that might be a good idea. And <laughs> um, they were good all day until I got to 50 miles. And um, I guess like all the drop bags have been sitting in the sun. It's, you know, hot desert. And I took huge bites. I was like trying to get through the aid station, eat it fast and uh, swallowed it. And like, as I was swallowing it, I realized like I had a really like off taste and um, the taste had gone bad by that time. <laughs> um, and um, leaving that aid station, my stomach just felt really queasy and that just kind of like set it off. And so then I started throwing up and like couldn't keep anything I put into my body down for the whole remainder of the race <laughs> and then it was right after that aid station that I took the wrong turn 
Um, and yeah, after that aid station, I left and um, it was 16 miles before I got to the next one because it was supposed to be five miles, but it ended up being 16. <laughs> so um yeah there was like definitely a point in that race I was like I don't know if I'm gonna get through this like and it just you know the first hundred miler is always brutal like you just it's a whole different type of pain and like I never experienced that before so um but I really really wanted to finish this race like I had always wanted to run 100 miles so I was like I'm finishing this no matter what (laughs) and um yeah, I kind of got it out to the end, but <laughs> it wasn't a pretty race or anything. <laughs> Just kind of a get it done type of thing. I love but how much you're, you're, really you're laughing so much as you recall this misery. In the race. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely times where I laughed during the race too. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, what am I? <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, there weren't any other races that were happening that summer. And so I was kind of thinking of something else I could do. And um, after I did the, the 100 and, um, you know, did a little bit extra, I was like, well, I wonder if I could do like a 160 miler because there was this um, loop that actually Matt was going to do yeah. as part of his 200. Um, and it's called the collegiate loop. And um I thought it'd be cool to go for an FKT on that, but I'd only done that one hundred miler and like had no experience like other than that. So, <laughs> and I was also like planning it all myself. So organizing where the aid stations would be and like what time I would get there. And like, it was just this whole learning curve. And um, I ended up being like way behind my time the first day. And so my crew was waiting for like seven hours for me. <laughs> like there was Aww, no service. Those are good friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah for real yeah um so yeah I was way behind that first night and then the second night somehow I felt better and um I ended up being the FKT by five hours oh my <laughs> so goodness. I, I pulled that <laughs> together but <laughs> um yeah so and then after that I was like well if I because that took me 61 hours and so I was like I bet Moab 240 would take me a similar amount of time, like more obviously, but um, like probably not too, like within 10 hours. Um, And so that's what kind of propelled me to sign up for Moab for 2021. Um, And yeah, I ended up doing it in 68 hours. So (laughs) it was like pretty similar. (laughs) (laughs) Was it everything you hoped and dreamed it would be? The Moab 240? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, yeah, it was, um, I don't know, there weren't like too many surprises. Like I felt like I was pretty well prepared for it after that 160, like, um, but I, I guess I wasn't anticipating. Um, so with the collegiate loop, I was really sleepy the first night and um, the second night felt completely awake. <laughs> um, and so I was kind of thinking, oh, that's just a fluky thing. Like I'll probably feel um awake the first night in Moab and started to get sleepy the second night and it was like a total repeat of the collegiate loop I I could not keep my eyes open the first night and like took a 30 minute nap at an aid station and um when I got to halfway at mile 120 the second female was only two miles behind me which is like nothing (laughs) in a 240 and so I was like oh man I really gotta get moving (laughs) um and so 
then all of a sudden, then I was going into the second night and all of a sudden I just like started clicking and um, I was, I think I was over 20 miles ahead of her within the next like 40 mile section, 40 or 50 mile section. So um, yeah, that was good. And I don't know, it's kind of funny, like when I got to 140, um, it's so weird to <laughs> think like this, but uh, I literally thought, oh, I only have a hundred miles left. Like I can do this. <laughs> Perspective, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny how that changes, but. <laughs> yeah, totally. And Moab, um, the weather was all sunshine and rainbows, right? It was, yeah. That was another thing. Yeah. I think I really lucked out with that because um, I'm not, I mean, I don't get heat training really living in Leadville. So um and I didn't really do much heat training beforehand. So I was like, oh, if it's hot, I'm just gonna have to like deal with it. You know, like I haven't really prepared <laughs> for this <laughs> or experienced it before. So um, yeah, I was kind of nervous about that, but it ended up being like in the sixties and a little drizzly through the section that's like really exposed and in the desert. And um, you know, there's the aid stations are really spread out that first day. It's like, you have a couple 20 mile sections between aids so and you're there's like nothing out there like you can use a filter bottle or anything like you're kind of stuck if you run yeah. out so yeah I was kind of worried about that but it ended up I ended up like not drinking or needing to drink as much water because it was cooler so that was so really you finished, helpful you finished before the snowstorm and the hail it sounds like yeah I couldn't believe that <laughs> yeah poor that's Matt, brutal Matt poor Maddie he was in the I know back. he got slammed <laughs> <laughs> that's so brutal I cannot imagine yeah just like being out there for five days straight like doing this one thing I just feel like it's really the people that are you know finishing towards the back that I'm like really inspired by because I'm just like it's a long time to be doing this thing like I was ready to be done at like three days (laughs) amazing Um, well speaking of uh just so you know I know you're not too into Facebook, but we've got the Facebook live. So I can see the chat of like people commenting. So all those guys that you met in Leadville, Matt Klein, James Leitner, uh, Dan Jablon, they're all on here and they're saying hello. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so they're tuning in. Um, oh man, this is so great with your overview story. Um, I have so many questions, so many questions, Annie. Um, so you've done, okay, here's here's a question I really like to ask. Um, you've done big races, big name races, lots of different distances, but you've also done uh, the whole self-supported like FKT. Do you have a preference? I know they're very different, but is there one that you enjoy more than the other? Like the run venture style, you know, you're doing the planning and, and all the, you know, the support or, you know, going to a race and, you know, having those aid stations and the crew and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just totally different experiences. But um, I mean, I love the camaraderie of a race, you know, like you meet, end up meeting friends and get to share some miles with people and kind of reminds you like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one out here doing this, you know, <laughs> like uh, other people are out here suffering too. <laughs> so um, <laughs> yeah, and then you get to the aid stations and yeah, everyone's really stoked. But um, I mean, my family, it was really awesome to have them there for the FKT. And like, it was definitely this similar feel to an aid station. Yeah. Um, and have friends along the way. So um, 
Yeah, I don't know. The FJT meant a lot to me because I put a lot of work into planning it myself. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of work that goes into planning something like Moab too. Like I spent, I made a whole like binder with yeah, my plan, yeah. my, everything. So um, yeah, I put a lot of work into that too. So I would say I, they're pretty similar, but I think they're just different in the sense that like you're out there by yourself versus um, with other people. So, and with competition, it's kind of this weird thing with FKTs. It's like, oh, I'm just going, I'm running against the clock, you know? Right. Um, whereas uh, with the actual race, you can tell like how far behind someone is and stuff like that. So mm. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I really love them both, but I, I guess I would say I like racing more an actual race just because um, I like having other people there. I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Annie, do you mind if I drop some questions to you that are coming from the chat? We'll get oh, yeah. in real time. Okay. James wants to know what is your pump up song? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love listening to like glass animals <laughs> yes. when I race. So, uh, Tokyo drifting is one of my favorites. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. We actually have a few questions in here. So, there's another one from James wants to know if you would do the long trail FKT. Oh, um, wow. That'd be really cool. I, I just think, um, I need some more experience with like through hiking to do something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I really like going in that supported style because I just think that fits my skill set a little bit more. Like I'm kind of coming at it from an ultra running perspective, whereas, you know, if you go for an unsupported FKT or like a really long trail like that, um, I feel like it's a maybe a little more helpful to have a through hiking background. So, um, I don't know. I definitely would love to try something like that. Um, but yeah, it'll definitely be a few years because it's a lot of <laughs> planning and things to organize yeah, exactly. and I haven't done anything out East. So I think that would be cool. Well, I'll just say right here now, if you come east, you've got Sasquatch support. We'll we'll get out there and help you out. <laughs> oh, in any minute we, can. <laughs> we do have some, we we do have a little bit more rocks than uh, yeah. That trail looks brutal. Long it's technical, right? Yeah. But yeah, we will, we'll, we'll be there for you, Annie, if you need it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Okay, kind of in the same vein. This is coming from Joe Brandine, Sasquad regular. Wants to know. What kind of race would get you to visit the East Coast? Ooh. Um, <laughs> Besides the Sasquad <laughs> race, of course. But, um, you know, what what draws you? What, what what would it take to get you out on the Beast Coast, we like to call it? <laughs> uh, I would love to do that Biggs Backyard race um, yeah. at some point in Tennessee. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I think that that just seems like a really cool challenge. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely want to do that someday. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, okay, wow, we're getting a lot of questions here. This is coming from Matt wants to know, who are your heroes in life? And then who do you admire in the running world? These are two good questions here. Yeah. Um, so I have, uh, my friend Olga King, um, she's just been like a huge mentor to me. And um, I actually met her. So I work at uh, this restaurant here in Leadville and um, 
I was serving his table and um, his name is John Sharp. Uh, and he had just attempted Nolan's 14, which is like this really prestigious FKT route um, right here in Leadville. Mm-hmm. And it goes across, um, so there's no trail, but you just go from peak to peak. Um, there's 14, 14ers all lined up. And so it's a lot of like bushwhacking and a lot of like scouting that goes into that um, route. And it's something that I'm definitely interested in too, but I'm not <laughs> so fond of <laughs> bushwhacking. So I don't know if I'll get to that, but um, yeah, he had just done that and just a real like talkative outgoing guy. Um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you should come out. We're going to do uh, this mountain tomorrow with me and some friends. And I was like, I don't know this guy. <laughs> I don't I know. <laughs> <Should he> come? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I ended up, uh, uh, going on this hike with him and his friends, um, and Olga was there and, um, she's in her fifties and she's been in the sport for a long time and, um, done, you know, all kinds of races. She was like top 10 at Western States back in her day. And, um, she now like goes for FKTs on like longer trails and has kind of gotten more into backpacking and, um, now she's kind of getting more into like racing ultras again and she's doing some hundred milers and stuff but um yeah she has been just huge and she offered to crew me at Bloodville 100 and um just like really got me through <laughs> um so yeah we've just become a lot closer friends and she's just someone I really look up to and um just she's really helped me get to where I am um in the sport so I just think it's really helpful to have someone who has all this experience um, to kind of get your foot in. Um, so yeah, she's someone I really look up to. And um, yeah, there's so many amazing ultra runners that I am inspired by. <laughs> um, I mean, Courtney DeWalter is kind of an obvious one, <laughs> but she lives in Leadville now. So um, I've gotten to like run with her a bit and um, yeah, she's just such an amazing person. and. Um, yeah, I really look up to her a lot. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. That was a really good question, Matt. Thanks for asking that. Um, we had another one a little bit further back. It was about Hoka. So I got to scroll up here a little bit. Uh, James wants to know, is being on the Hoka team similar to being on a collegiate team? That's a good question. Uh, it definitely adds a little bit of pressure. <laughs> I would say it's like, oh, I have to do well. Um, but uh, I don't know, it's it's more of an individual sport. So I don't feel like the pressure, like, oh, if I don't do well, I'm letting down like my whole team, you know? Um, and I don't, you know, train on a team with Hoka athletes. So it's like all my own training. So um, I don't know. I, I like it in the sense that it kind of gives me um, like a feel of like, uh, just a little like added pressure, but I also like don't have the stress of like being on a team every day. So yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. It's a good balance, I, I, I think. Yeah, I coached for a number of years at a, a division two school in Ohio. And when I was listening to your story, I just thought about, you know, we'd often have athletes with the same thing. It would just like total burnout because the schedule is so, it's so grueling, it's intense, it's year round. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do have yeah. some breaks, but even on break, you're doing workouts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I totally understood what you're saying. Um, 
with your collegiate story, uh, which brings up another question for me. I'm curious, like looking back on the last few years, what do you think has been the hardest experience for you? It could be, you can answer it like a particular race or a running experience, or maybe, you know, something else in your life, whatever kind of what's, what's your take on that? What's been the most challenging part of your journey the last few years? Cause it sounds like it's been a lot of fun, but you know, we all know all journeys have ups and downs, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess I would say just kind of like the learning curve of like getting into it. I feel, I feel like that first hundred experience was, um, pretty hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just because, um, yeah, I was like, oh, I like really wanted to do this race, but it was like really hard and didn't know if I could finish it. So, um, yeah, I would say that's the experience that I probably like learned the most from just because I made all those mistakes and, um, yeah, it was difficult for me. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm cut out to run hundreds and, um, <laughs> Yeah, but now it's like my favorite distance. So I think just starting out, um, I think the hardest part is just kind of like learning, like the learning curve of those longer races. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was gonna say, you know, I mean, a hundred's hard on its own, but then when you're dealing with rancid mashed potatoes and puking <laughs> and then getting lost on top of that, like yeah. that's, that's rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. um well here's a question looking ahead a little bit um I was just gonna ask this and Matt Matt put in the chat he wants to know what does 2022 look like for you oh um so I'm running Cocodona 250 this year uh so I'm really excited for that race but it looks really really hard like it's gonna be a whole different animal from Moab um so I was kind of thinking like, oh, I have this Mob 240 experience with similar distance, but it's just, I think it's going to be a lot harder. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that race, but um, also a little nervous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so is, is that your big focus then of the year is uh, Cocodona? Yeah, Cocodona is my biggest focus. Yeah. And um, I'm also doing a race, um, near here. It's called High Lonesome 100. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's actually like a lot of the courses on that collegiate loop, um, that I have FKT on. So, um, I'm really excited for that race. Uh, it'll be a lot of climbing. I forgot how much climbing it is. I think it's like over 20 grand. Yeah. Um, yeah. hundred miles. So, um, that should be and a fun high one. elevation as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, then I'm also doing Javelina this year in October. Oh, um, get out. I'm going to be there. Oh, I'll really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That'll be a party. <laughs> it's like a giant well, Halloween party. <laughs> do, you, do you have your costume picked out already? I don't. Yeah. I need to come <laughs> up with something. <laughs> Oh, that's super fun. Yeah, so I'm excited for that one. I just like, it's a little out of my skill set. I feel like I'm not a very fast 100 mile runner. Like I just like the tough courses and a lot of climbing and I'm not very good with heat. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so, so nothing at, at Javelina. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I, I mean, I'm just doing it because um, I'm required to do one Hoka race per year. Okay. And I was pacing at that one last year and I was like, wow, this just seems like so much fun. And um, I don't know, it won't be like a race where I'm like trying to qualify for Western or anything because that's just a little out, <laughs> out there. But um, I definitely want to try to like run a PR and just kind of um, have fun, you know, with all the competition. It's going to be, um, it'll be fun to have like so many fast girls to push me. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch you win that race. I'll be there at the finish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it right here, everybody. You heard it first from Sasquad. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah, there's a group of there's a group of us going out there. Um, I've got a couple of friends. I think Matt is doing the 100K. And oh, another, awesome. yeah, another friend's doing a hundred K and then a few more are doing that shorter overnight. I'm just going out there to crew and pace and sit under the tent and you know help my friends out. Oh, that's but, awesome. That'll be yeah. so much fun. It looks like quite the party scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. You've, you've got a you've got a packed calendar. So that brings you to October. Will that wrap up the year for you? Is there anything else going on in the fall? No, nothing after Javelina. So yeah. <laughs> then I'll be starting to think about what I'm doing for 2023. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Yeah, I really, I just, I love the 200 mile distance. So I'd love to do another, another one of Candace's races. Um, I'm really interested in Tahoe. So awesome. I want to do that. Yeah, I entered the lottery for this year and didn't get in. So that's why I'm doing Cocodona. <laughs> okay, I got you. Well, we had yeah. another question uh, that was about Tahoe, which was just asked again by Matt. Matt, I'm not ignoring your question. We're just you know, getting through all these. He wanted to know before, what should Kim, that's me, focus on for the Tahoe 200? Because I'm, I'm doing it in June. Um, so if you have any advice, not just for me, but anybody doing their first 200 miler, what would you say, Annie Hughes? <laughs> oh, I would say, um, well, what I really love about the 200s is just like, it's so much more relaxed. Like you have so much time. <laughs> um, but uh, I would say just like not to get too overwhelmed by how far you have to go because um, it's definitely overwhelming. Like hundreds, you know, you're, you feel like you're kind of getting somewhere, but in two hundreds, like they just keep going and going and going and like, they just like, don't end. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, just like staying in it for a long time and um, focus on like, the small goals, like similar to hundred, you know, just like getting to the next station and eventually <laughs> you cover 200 miles. It's crazy. <laughs> All right. Let me, let me ask you this because Matt has made the statements many times. He says that a uh, 200 mile race is easier than a hundred mile race. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Oh, that's tough. I, um, I think they're easier in the sense that like it's just not as intense because you would just have so much time so it's just I don't know it's just a much more relaxed feel I would say whereas like in 100 I feel like I like have to constantly like <laughs> like I can't waste any time you know mm -hmm. um whereas you know 200 you have time to like take a little nap and 
yes. sit down and eat. Where like a hundred, I like don't sit down at all. Like I'm just like grabbing the food as I'm walking through the aid station and like get out of there. Um, whereas like two hundreds, I like can sit down, change my shoes and stuff, and feel like I have the time to do that. So I really like it in that sense. Um, but uh, I think it's it can be harder mentally just because you're out there for so much longer. <laughs> um and yeah it can just be overwhelming but um uh, I just think it's such a fun distance it's just such an adventure and um it's just it's so surreal and you finally complete it (laughs) just thinking about like how far you've come and like everything you've gone through to get there it's like really special Mm. so definitely emotional right over the finish line yeah (laughs) yeah it's kind of I don't know. I was kind of in disbelief that I finished, but at the same time, I was really ready to be done. <laughs> like, I just want to sleep in my bed, like in a nice comfy bed. <laughs> I'm tired of sleeping on the trail and like trying to stay awake. Yeah. I think staying awake is actually the hardest part of 200s. Cause like, I mean, one night for a hundred miler, like you're, you're done, but, um, I think just getting through multiple nights is really, really difficult. Um, at least that's what I've noticed is probably the hardest thing for me. <laughs> so was that, was your sleep strategy was, was it just to not sleep and only take a dirt nap when you had to, or, or what, what was your sleep strategy? I'm, I like asking that question to 200 mile finishers. Yeah. Um, that was, that was my sleep strategy. It was just like sleep when I absolutely had to. And the first night, um, I was taking like one, two minute naps on the side of the trail. And it was also like raining. <laughs> and um I was just in the deepest sleep like dreaming and um my pacer would wake me up and um I'd feel like refreshed for maybe like 20-30 minutes and then it would like start to like drift off again and was like stumbling around my poles (laughs) which (laughs) um and so then I was like oh I think I need like at least a 10 minute nap and so sleeping on the side of the trail in the rain for 10 minutes (laughs) and then um that didn't last much longer than the two or three minute nap. So we got to the aid station at like mile, it was like uh, 80 or 90, like somewhere in there. And um, I slept for 30 minutes and um, leaving that aid station, um, I felt great for an hour and a half, like ran really well. And then it hit again and I was like barely moving again. And like, <laughs> uh, it was just so frustrating. Like I just couldn't shake it. And um I kept like trying to tell myself to like wake up but it's like it was just so overpowering I just felt like I couldn't yeah. control it um and then once the sun came up that made like a huge difference so um yeah <laughs> and then the second night I felt great and was like completely awake and running everything so um it's just weird how that works <laughs> yeah, yeah and did you use caffeine at all during the race do you use caffeine when you're racing yeah, I, um, so I tried to do like a caffeine taper. I thought maybe that will help. <laughs> um, so I didn't drink coffee or anything for a whole month before Moab. And then I was going to wait until I was 24 hours into Moab to have coffee for the first time. Um, cause I've, I tried a caffeine pill one time and it didn't really do anything. So <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna stick to coffee. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was just really struggling through that first night so I ended up having it earlier than I was planning on and um and then I took the nap and it worked for like an hour and a half but then I didn't really notice 
I don't know that it helped so much. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be interesting for Cocodona. I think I might try like having coffee like earlier in the day or something, and maybe that'll help get me through the first night. But yeah, first night, man, <laughs> always gets me. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Uh, well, that was another question I have for you going into Cocodona, you know, with, with Moab 240 behind you. Is there, I mean, you just mentioned one of them, but are there other things you're going to like maybe try a little differently or you're going to stick with a similar plan uh, with anything like nutrition, sleep, hydration, um, all that stuff? What do you think? Oh, I think um, hydration will be much more of like a issue for this morning because it's going to be really hot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just staying more on top of that. Um, I feel like I did a good job in... Uh, Moab, but definitely like the um the third day or no the second day <laughs> as far as like <laughs> um the second day um I just noticed uh like I started getting all these like canker sores on my tongue from like all the sugar and like acid yeah. in my cells and so it made it like unbearable to eat a gel or like drink tailwind or anything like my yeah I could like barely talk I was talking with like a lisp oh, man. <laughs> and yeah and then it just like stung so bad to like eat anything sweet and so yeah I want to stay on top of that more for Coca-Tona <laughs> um maybe like brush my teeth or something like make sure I'm... <laughs> I guess I um I had a toothbrush in my first aid kit but I wasn't thinking about it when I was racing so um yeah something I want to um, be better about and also like the mint helps a lot when it's hot mm -hmm. outside um and just like making makes you feel more awake just like having a fresh <laughs> brushing your teeth and just makes you feel more fresh yeah <laughs> so yeah. I think that'll help <laughs> that's awesome okay <laughs> um I think we had another question it was about a hundred let me scroll back up here yeah okay this is from Lynn Mackey she wants to know What's the best tip you would give for attempting a 100 mile race? So maybe advice for a first time 100 miler. What would you say, Annie? Yeah, um, I would say it's uh, really important to get um, some good long runs in before 100 so that you kind of have a feel for that dead leg <laughs> feeling. <laughs> it's just really different from anything. Um, so yeah, like a hundred K or 50 miler, just kind of doing shorter ultras to train for longer ones. And also maybe do some runs through the night. So you have some practice, um, like with that kind of experience, cause that's totally different from like a 50 mile and 50 K. Um, I don't know. I kind of think that's what makes a true ultra is like going through the night, you know, <laughs> <laughs> having so, some uh, hallucinations possibly yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you had any hallucinations on the trail Annie yeah I have um not in hundreds but um in the, the during the collegiate loop and then Moab um Moab wasn't bad the uh first two nights but the um the third night um uh we were going down the last 19 mile section and it's just really um it's just this kind of iconic trail in Moab it's called um Porcupine Rim 
and it's really an iconic uh, mountain biking trail. It's like super technical and um, all these cool rock formations and stuff. But I was going through it in the middle of the night. And so I had my pacer go out in front to like find the route because it was all slick rock. And um, I couldn't, I don't know, I was just at the point where I couldn't find the route or anything. Like <laughs> I couldn't yeah. think about it. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just, I kept thinking because he was out in front of me and his light was like shining on the rock formations. And I kept thinking he was running into like these weird buildings. And I was like, where is he going? Like, we can't go over there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then there was this other, like, this is really strange, but we were running on this big section of slick rock and then there were like little dips in it. And then there were um, puddles that formed inside the little like dips in the slick rock. And um, he just ran across like a section of the rock um, that was exposed and then there were like two big puddles on either side of it and just ran across it like nothing and I got there and I was like oh my gosh like how did you do that (laughs) it's like to me like my perspective was off or something and so I thought the puddles were like these holes that went into like the abyss I was like oh my gosh and then I like hit the puddle with my trekking pole and I saw the splash I was like oh (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah just like weird things like that <laughs> and then in Moa or um in the collegiate loop it was uh the um yeah it was the last day I was finishing and um I think I had like maybe four, three or four hours left and I was going up this huge climb and I didn't have a pacer for that section um but it was during the day so I thought it'd be fine but I was definitely like not <laughs> too with it <laughs> and um I was going up this climb and and um, in the woods, I saw all these cows. I was like, how did these cows like get up on this mountain? Like it was really high up <laughs> and it was in the middle of nowhere. And I was just like staring at them. Like they weren't making any noise. And I was like, that's so weird. And then I got up and it was just a bunch of like fallen aspen trees. <laughs> Looked like cows from down below. <laughs> did you laugh when you got up there or you just, did you tell anybody? Like, did you share that with anybody at the time or yeah I like got them to the um spot where my crew was waiting for me and I was like man that was weird I just saw a bunch of cows in the forest <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah mind, it's funny I just like I try not to acknowledge it too much like I try not to like think about those nations but I don't know like I just I don't want to have them you know because it's kind of a sign that you're not with it and I want to be as with it as possible like I want to try not to have them or I think some people yeah. kind of like invite them and think this is so cool and it's like <laughs> right I guess I as long as they're as not scary. As possible. yeah as long as they're not scary you know yeah <laughs> oh man um all right let me scroll back up make sure I didn't miss any other questions here um Oh, this is a follow-up. This is coming from John Pilara. I want to know, is it best to do night runs by yourself or with other people? Oh, I would say um, maybe with other people. <laughs> it's a little, um, I don't know. I don't really like running in the dark by myself. I think that's the biggest reason why I like having pacers. Um, it's just so I have someone with me while I'm running in the dark <laughs> and to find the course. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's nice to have someone there yeah, in the dark and like hear a noise, you know, <laughs> you see a bunch of cows too. You'll have a, friend yeah. 
Oh, the other thing about Moab that was really weird, um, but kind of on the topic of hallucinations, like I kept having like the weirdest uh, deja vu with my pacers. Like the last two sections, I kept thinking I've been in this exact place before, like with this person and like having this conversation, you know, I'd like never been there before. Mm. And I was just convinced that we had like had that conversation before and like in that place. So kind of weird. <laughs> Because you were so, you're so tired, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, apparently that's, like, not good for your brain, but. <laughs> Probably not. But yeah. we all keep doing it, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, let me see if we missed anything else here. Um, <laughs> Joe Brandine, he's, he's giving all these plugs for Sasquatch because he knows I won't self-promote shamelessly. So he says that um, August 27th is our backyard Squatch Ultra, which is a qualifier for um, Big's Backyard. So you're, oh, cool. you're always welcome, Annie, but no pressure. Um, and then he's also That's plugging awesome. the, <laughs> the Hudson Highlands Hell No Hellhole Hundo FKT. That's in uh, oh. that's in New York. So um, when Tahoe was canceled, for me, I had a similar situation to you. Um, I had all that training, but then Tahoe was canceled. So I went up to uh, New York State and made my own FKT. It was a 100-mile loop, has about 23,000 feet of climbing. And that wow. is the name that it was given during, during the run, the, the Hell No Hell Hole hundo because <laughs> it was so hard um, oh my gosh that's so, so awesome but seriously it's like it sounds like it does i know well yeah but you know i'm a nutcase so it was fun <laughs> um but <laughs> i identified so much with what you were talking about earlier you know with the fkts it is really fun like i love mm -hmm. that too putting in all the planning and you know especially you know, with your, your route was so long. Mine was pretty long too. Like there's so many logistics that goes into that. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really fun. It sounds like you, you enjoy it too. Oh yeah. I, I love it. I definitely want to do another one or I might, I, I'd love to do the collegiate loop again. Um, cause yeah, now that I've done it before, I'm like, oh, I could have made some, made up so much time here or there and could have done mm -hmm. this differently. So It'd be fun to go back and see how much I could bring the time yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, well, if you want, if you want a um, like a rock scramble beat down, yeah, you can come out <laughs> and do that. <laughs> I can fill you in the details. <laughs> cool, you all have given me so many good ideas. <laughs> Grace <is too. laughs> we're, we're we're just welcoming you with open arms here on the on the beach. <laughs> um shoot well annie we're getting down to the end um my favorite question asked which we'll we'll end with this is why why are you doing what you're doing why why do you why are you doing it and you love it obviously i can see i can see in your face the passion in your voice why do you love it so why are you doing it why do you love what you're doing yeah i just i really love uh challenging myself and um, yeah, I just love how ultras like really break you down to where you just have seemingly nothing left and, you know, you can keep going. And it's just also amazing, like how much we can cover just 
with our feet, you know, that's always just so mind boggling to me, um, like what we're capable of. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really love that this sport just tests our limits and kind of takes us to these places where we're like the most vulnerable. Mm. Um, I think that's really special. And, and then also to share those experiences with, you know, your friends and, um, people you meet on the trail and all those kinds of things. And, um, yeah, there's just, I think there's a lot of growth that happens when you put yourself through these kinds of things. So, um, and then it just kind of makes you want to come back for more. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just really love that about the, the sport. Amazing. Annie, so good. I so enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for, for coming on and chatting with us and answering all these questions from our, our group here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks again to Matt for, um, connecting us here I am yeah I've, I've been loving following your journey and um I'm looking forward to meeting you at Javelina we'll have to we'll have to tie up and and say oh hi yeah I love that <laughs> amazing That's awesome um, so you're doing Tahoe this year in June yeah yeah in June so not that anyone's counting but it's like 132 days away so oh my yeah. gosh <laughs> that's so exciting that's gonna be amazing yeah, I'm really excited about it, especially like there was so much buildup from last year. So now, yeah, you know, I'm getting pretty amped up for it. I honestly think like, um, I don't know, I don't think I would have done as well at Leadville this year if I hadn't had a whole year in between to like train and mm. get ready for it. So you got to do that, you know, FKT in between. Oh my goodness. Seriously. Like, I know. Because I thought- Gives more time too, to prepare. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember like I've told my crew, the gals who are coming with me, um, like, I can't believe I was thinking of doing Tahoe last year. Like, I was not ready after going through that, <laughs> the, the self-supported hundred, you know, like you said, you just learned so much. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, so many things, but um, yeah, the stoke is high for Tahoe in June. So that's so awesome. I'm so excited for you. I'm excited uh, to follow along. <laughs> well, you'll have to do it the following year. We'll, we'll tell Candace to get you in. For the next oh, year. yeah. <laughs> uh amazing well um how can people connect with you um like if you're on social media if you want to share your um I think you said you're primarily Instagram right yeah I just have Instagram and Strava I can't figure out any of the other ones <laughs> <laughs> and I would just like that would be too much I think yeah I couldn't keep up with all that so yeah, just Instagram um, is that adorable Annie. And then um, yeah, Strava, I think it's just Annie Hughes. So awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been so great. Thank you again, Annie, for coming on. And uh, oh yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. For sure. You've got Sasquatch support. We're, we're big fans of you. And um, the invitation is always there. Anytime you want to come to the Beast Coast, but uh, we'll be cheering you on from here. Oh, thank you so much. Awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks everybody for tuning in, especially all those questions. This was fun. We had a lot of interaction today. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, thank you for tuning in. Um, you can find out more about us on sasquatchtrailrunning.com. We're on social media as well, Facebook and Instagram, Sasquatch Trail Running. So uh, until we see you again, keep it squatchy.